We're speaking with somebody who's right in the center of smart cities and ecosystems around cities. Miguel Gamino is the executive vice president for global cities at MasterCard. It's certainly a name that we all know. Hey, Miguel, welcome to CXO Talk. Thanks. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, great to be here. Looking forward to a, a, a good, lively chat. So, Miguel, tell us about your role at MasterCard. I think everybody knows who MasterCard is, but what's the connection with cities? Well, actually, I, I want to make one point about MasterCard uh, that I didn't even fully appreciate until I joined the organization. Um, we're actually perceived kind of sometimes differently than what, how we really operate. We're a, a technology company in the payments industry, um, particularly interested in growth that occurs in an inclusive way. So as an organization, that really lines up with the role that I have to lead our engagement and, and strategy uh, with cities globally. Um, literally, in every part of the world, uh, MasterCard is, is present in a substantial way in uh, something like 210 countries all over the planet. This notion of global cities, obviously it ties into inclusiveness, but, but please elaborate on that intersection for us. Yeah, I think uh, you know, urbanization is something that's being talked a lot about now. Uh, something like six million people are, are moving into cities. Uh, that is the, on, a, on a very regular basis, I think um, monthly. And that's the size of Singapore. Um, more, more than 55% of the world's population lives in urban centers um, and, and uh, projected to grow to something like 70% um, by 2050. So that, that urbanization, that growth is happening, that part is real. I think uh, what we need to focus on collectively is how to make sure that that growth happens inclusively so everybody who uh, lives, um, works, uh, visits cities can enjoy the, the progress being made in those cities across the board. It's about making sure that, that the future that is bright, that we all are working towards and, and, and hopeful of, uh, reaches everybody uh, across uh, cities around the world and across uh, within the cities, across all the, the communities. Why is this such a challenging and difficult problem to solve? Well, I think cities uh, everywhere in the world are faced with, um, you know, limited resources. Um, again, this, this growing uh, impact on their infrastructure. Um, frankly, also growing, increasing expectations. Uh, you know, people are, are expecting more uh, from the, the cities that they live in. And the governments are, are trying to address those challenges um, with competing priorities, limited resources, uh, and I think partnerships is the way to really leverage the superpower of collaboration uh, to help cities achieve those goals, which are our goals, to, to, to deliver uh, a better quality of life for, for everyone in those cities. So the solution then lies somewhere in this domain of collaboration. And I know you use the term ecosystems as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we have to work together, right? Uh, and by we, I mean the governments themselves, truthfully, even the people in these communities themselves, uh, alongside the private sector, industry um, um, players, academia, um, the, the broader NGO community, I mean, all, all, 
all of these organizations and industries that are that are working on inclusive growth outcomes and and helping address urbanization, I think uh, the the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. When we come together, identify those those real challenges by the people living them, and and leverage all of the resources available to us across those segments to build what I think will not only be better solutions that better meet the needs of people because they are informed by the cities themselves and the people that live in those cities themselves, but do so in a robust and sustainable way because we've got the other segments playing a, a vital role in that, in that discussion and in the solution development along the way. Miguel, I know you're involved with something called City Possible. Would you share the, what is that and, and what's the vision behind it? And then let's unpack what you're actually trying to do and then and how you're going about it. What's the execution plan? Yeah, sure. So, so City Possible is something that was, uh, has been pioneered by MasterCard, um, but invites a collection of network partners to, to play a role uh, in, in working out uh, better solutions to these urban challenges. Um, it is the, the vision, the strategy, the intent to create the world's largest network of cities uh, working together to address these challenges. So, so we are doing that um, through partnerships. Um, so this is not a, uh, it might be MasterCard led, but it's not MasterCard only. Uh, again, because that's the, the important element of, of better solutions. Um, but it is creating a space a, a place virtually and in real life uh, for cities to come together to talk about what those common challenges are, to have input from academia and the NGO co community, and have the, the private industry players um, really engage in, in leveraging talent and resources and other things uh, available uh, across the board to build those better outcomes. So, um, you know, when we, when we continue to make progress towards creating that, that uh, global network, we are finding trends. We're finding things that are of common concern across cities um, that are dispelling the notion that each city is the only city facing a particular challenge, that the reality is that they're all working on many of the same issues. Uh, and every, every mayor that, that I've worked for or spoken with are all trying to achieve the same thing that frankly we are focused on, which is a better quality of life for their community. And they find that through uh, different means, different angles, given the, the priorities or the challenges of a particular community, whether that be uh, public safety, uh, create jobs creation, better transit. Um, you know, there are different methods towards that same goal, but that goal is to create better quality of life and, and inclusive prosperity for the people that live in those cities. And that's what City Possible at its core uh, aims to help achieve globally. I want to remind everybody we're talking with Miguel Gamino. He is the Executive Vice President for Global Cities at MasterCard. So Miguel, uh, bringing together this, this kind of unified front seems really foundational to what you're trying to do. And I guess my question is, given the the diversity among cities and their interests and the sizes and geographic locations and so forth, how do you do that? How, how do you even begin to draw those common grounds and bring people together into one cohesive coalition? 
You know, I think that, uh, and this is informed by my days, frankly, on the city side of this equation, right? Um, as you know, but some viewers might not know, I, I previously served as the CTO of New York City, CIO of San Francisco, CIO of El Paso, Texas. And so three very different cities, but along the way it helped me identify that even though those cities are very different, they are they're struggling with and trying to achieve much of the same. And so um, that was a clue to me while I was inside that part, you know, in that industry, that this collaboration notion was not just a nice thing to print on a banner and hang on a wall somewhere as a concept, but could actually mobilize a, a, a better progress and an acceleration to the solution. And so as we're building this global network of cities, we've intentionally engaged with cities that look and feel different. Um, so we have uh, 25 cities uh, that have, have formally joined as founding members so far, with many, many more cities in active kind of stages of joining. So that number is, is, is not static, it is, it is growing uh, pretty rapidly. Um, and, but those cities represent every continent. They represent big cities that you have certainly heard of in this space, like Dubai. Um, and Helsinki, and Dublin, and San Diego. Uh, and they represent smaller cities that you might not have heard of, um, like Wallandilly uh, uh, in Australia. And so I think that it's really important to collect diversity of input if we want to create really robust, globally scalable solutions. And so that's, that's, that's what we're working towards. And, and I'm very proud to say that in a, very short, you know, in a matter of months, we have um, begun to execute exactly on that goal. And we are seeing uh, a, a responsiveness from cities that I, I'm a pretty optimistic, Mike, you know me pretty well from, from various different threads. Um, I'm a pretty optimistic person. Um, and I have no shortage of you know, uh, capacity to think big. This has accelerated at a pace that even, to some degree, I, 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 I hesitate to admit, even surprises me. Um, cities have really leaned in. Uh, now we're receiving um, kind of inbound interest by cities to join this movement, but also by industry partners. We have, we have industry partners that aren't necessarily super obvious um, players in this city's ecosystem that have really begun to to raise their hand and want to engage with us. Um, so I think we're achieving that goal of creating that that broad uh, ecosystem uh, that's really important to these goals. So so it's happening. We we had to certainly make investments and kickstart things, um, but now it's starting to you know the ball is rolling and we're seeing a lot of inbound interest. Well, I have to say this past week I was present when you had a conversation with the chief technology officer for the city of Amsterdam and yeah. he was he was really excited to to work with you. I mean it was really you could just you could just see the the excitement and the passion and the interest. It was very genuine. Yeah, no, Her and I have known each other for many years, going back to, again, when I was in the industry, in the, in the city's industry, um, as a CTO, CIO. And uh, 
you know, there, there's a, there is a sense of, of not just camaraderie, although it does include that. I mean, there is a sense of the city CIOs and CTOs who are facing these challenges being, you know, there to support each other as they're thinking through how they make progress, um, but also recognizing that they can't do it even on their own. And so a recognition that there's a, a, an appropriate role for, for private sector and academia, et cetera, to play in those solutions. And you, you, you see the CIOs and CTOs um, that are succeeding most often, I think, uh, um, surround themselves with that ecosystem that help them succeed. Because there's, there's never enough time, there's never enough money, there's always too many, too many challenges and too much bureaucracy. You know, it's the classic thing. And so the, the, the way that, that I was able to break through some of that when I was in those, cha on, in those chairs um, is what we're now trying to mobilize very intentionally in partnership with those cities. And here is a, is a, is a great example of that. And as our, all, you know, the founding um, members list, I would say each of those CIOs, CTOs, would fit the same profile. Mm -hmm. That they understand the value of the partnerships. They're really leaning into it, with with high expectations of it. That the ecosystem help them accomplish their goals and, and their mission, uh, and that's that's what we've uh, created in a very short period of time. I would like to uh, shift the conversation slightly from to the citizen perspective and what we could even call customer experience is an area that I'm so focused on. Maybe we should call it citizen experience. And to kick this off, we have a question from Sal Rasa on Twitter. How do you help make this work visible to citizens? Can people participate and share your optimism? So the, the role of citizens in communication. So actually, my first response is to broaden it from citizens to people. Because sometimes it's citizens that you're delivering for, sometimes it's visitors. And so I think thinking in general about how we can, and I, I have this hashtag, so in, invite everyone to join that movement, which is make tech work for people. And that's really the, 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 the crux of it, which is how do we ensure that the technology or the, the solutions that are either being developed or need to be developed do so in a way that doesn't lose sight of the real objective, which is improving the quality of life for people who live and visit and, 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 and operate, if you will, in cities, right? So part of that uh, in some cities uh, is direct engagement. It's, it's things like community meetings and whatnot. That, that isn't necessarily MasterCard's role to play, but again, that's the purpose of the ecosystem. There are people in that ecosystem or, or institutions, I should say, in that ecosystem whose role is to do the actual community engagement. Not to say we don't want to participate, we're, we're, we're certainly supportive of that and engaged in those, those sorts of conversations, um, but just understanding that each kind of party has, has a role to play. And I think um, what we need to do is make sure that as we, as we build the technology, as we help create solutions, that, we, that the cities have a seat at the table that is also expected to represent um, the interests of the people that live in those cities. And so that we don't go and build solutions in a lab somewhere, in a vacuum, and potentially miss the mark 
on, on helping address real challenges for real people. So I think, you know, and then the flip side of it um, to, to the question is also helping the, the, the public understand that the value of that engagement is in their own interest. Meaning if they, if they want to ensure that, that the future um, and that urbanization occurs inclusively, then they should engage. Um, they should engage um, with their city, with their representatives, um, with industry, and in whatever means available to them to help inform the, the thinking that goes into to progress that is planned for and executed against in, uh, in these cities. Given the complexity of the city environment and the different interests, I mean, just, I mean, you know, you know obviously this much better than I do, but just within a city, the, the income diversity, the ethnic diversity, the religious diversity, all of this, what makes you confident that MasterCard and City Possible can make an impact? We're an organization with not only our own global scale, as I mentioned, 210 countries. So when we, the other part is when we talk about global, we don't talk about just the big cities around the world, right? As I already mentioned, we're, we are engaging with cities in, of different kind of uh, profile, right? Um, that's, that's consistent with MasterCard's current DNA, operating substantially in 210 countries. Um, that, uh, uh, our DNA is to be a network of partnerships, right? That is the way that the core business, if you will, operates. So in so many ways, I'm simply leveraging the strength of the DNA that already exists, right? Our global presence, our global footprint, our, our existing relationships with partners around the world, um, and, and just kind of doubling down on that in the city space and saying, it's not just MasterCard that can accomplish those goals. It's, it's an ecosystem. It's the, the collection of partners and, and all the other stakeholder groups that have to be participants. But we've got global reach. We've got you know, resources. We have engagement and partnerships and relationships all over the world. We're, we're bringing to bear those forces and those those assets and those those uh, expertise to help stimulate this this trajectory, this progress of of uh, you know inclusive solutions built by the ecosystem collectively. And I think again, we're I'm observing, I'm watching the the interest and the growth and the engagement happen at a pace that even optimistic Miguel um, is is somewhat surprised by. So. So those theories are no longer theories, right? They're, we're watching them take shape and build traction and momentum um, in the real world, in real time, at a, at a very impressive pace. So this notion of uh, the ecosystem and the partnering, and you didn't use this term, but co-innovation or co-invention, co-creation with the cities, it sounds to me like this is really the bedrock on which you're you're building everything. Absolutely, absolutely. And and listen, the organization before I joined um, accomplished some pretty substantial successes along these concepts in a way that improved city operations and citizen or 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 the public's experience. And our work in transit is a is a perfect example of that um, in London, where 
by engaging with other um, industry partners, by engaging with the, the Transport for London, you know, the city agency itself, um, and creating something that now we call open loop payments, which basically just means that everyone can use a standard card they have in their pocket already and tap and ride the, the tube in London. That sounds like a relatively modest accomplishment, but what it's, what it's delivered are pretty dramatic results. It's, um, this, the Transport for London has claimed themselves uh, over 100 million pounds in annual savings. That's real money that can be reinvested in capacity or other improvements on the system. And at the same time, they're enjoying an increase in ridership because the user experience is just better, right? And so now we're having conversations with them about how do we take that success that was pretty focused on a particular issue, how do we leverage the, the inputs, the, re the, the recipe, if you will, to have similar outcomes, the, have the, the trifecta of victory um, uh, impact other parts of the transport business or other parts even of the city? And I think the reason we get that trifecta is because we've involved those different parties in the co-creation of the solution. So we were paying attention to the various priorities and, and challenges, risks, and opportunities from the various uh, players in the, in the co-creation. And so you, just, you get a better substantial outcome as a result. And so we're taking that, that principle learning, right, of good outcomes come from good approach, and now, um, try, you know, finding other parts of the city ecosystem, other challenges that cities are dealing with, apply the same approach um, with the with the goal of accomplishing the same trifecta uh, successes in other parts of the city ecosystem. We have another question from Twitter uh, asking if you can weave in as you've started to do success stories. Uh, on from member cities. But I'm gonna ask you to do that in the context of smart cities. So we hear that term smart cities and what is that and what does that have to do with what you're doing? Because it seems like there must be some connection but it's not clear exactly what it is. Let's chat a little bit about the term, right? Um, and we'll certainly come back to some specific examples that the audience is interested in. But I think it is first important, as you mentioned, to, to kind of set the lay of the land, right? Smart cities, I, you know, I, I would be less, less um, uncomfortable with that if it at least was smarter cities, which would indicate a progression. But to, to call it smart cities indicates, I think, or insinuates um, that there is a destination, that there is a moment in which you achieve this smart city uh, designation, you put the stamp on your website and you call it a day and move on to something else. And in fact, um, I think the, the, the reality is that cities have been getting smarter through the application of technology since they were born. So for centuries, cities have been getting better. They've been improving quality of life for the people that live there or visit there or work there. That's what it really is all about. So I think that in the current frame, um, we have a particular understanding of what technology means in this, in this era, right? 
And that, are, that is things like digitization and data and you know, those, those sorts of elements are what we call technology today. But before it was, you know, it was roads <laughs> and you know, things like that. Those were technological advancements, all of which were making cities smarter. So that's, I think, just to reframe it as a journey and less of a, of a perceived destination or, a, or accomplishment that, that, will, that people aspire to, right? I think it is a, a pathway that is ongoing and continuous. We think that, I, I believe that City Possible and MasterCard and our, our ecosystem of partners will absolutely play an important role in that because we, uh, we have um, access to a lot of what I described as the modern technology, right? So we have had some specific examples of engaging with, for example, the city of Dublin, uh, who is one of, our, one of our very first founding members, came to us in one of our discussions with a, a problem statement to better understand the impact on the local economy of certain things that either were in their control, like policy decisions or things like that, and even things that were not in their control, like weather patterns and whatnot. But basically, they wanted to un better understand what things impacted their economy positively and negatively. And so we, we came to the table with them. So uh, visualize this room. This is a room with the city of Dublin, people from MasterCard and various parts of our business, from the innovation and the labs people to the city's people to um, you know, data and insights people, and partners, partners who are in the business of building insights dashboards and things like that, right? And you brought all these people to the table. By the way, this conversation, uh, to some degree, being facilitated in our engagements with our academic partners. So all of that to establish the problem statement and the ecosystem that can help address it. And then a solution was built. And it wasn't perfect straight out of the box, but we got to kind of, um, we'll call it MVP1 or version one, very, very rapidly. So this conversation started in, I wanna say probably November of last year. And this first solution was released and publicly uh, um, kind of announced and presented by the city of Dublin itself uh, in uh, February, I believe. So just in a pretty short period of time, we went from the point of first engagement to a, a, a legitimate proof of concept that has, has done two things. It has already delivered insight to the city of Dublin and, and also modified the problem statement. Like now, when you know more, then you know that you might know less, right? As you discover um, certain insights, then you start a new thread of curiosity for deeper insights. So that has already evolved. And the city of Dublin, sharing it with the City Possible Network, has also inspired other cities who have similar but maybe slightly different need or curiosity for insights to raise their hand and say, well, I want to take that in this direction to build on top of the progress already made with one city and then you know, branch it off into a potentially slightly different direction that is of interest to a different city, but always bringing that, that, those solutions back to one another so that they, they share in the progress made by one another. And so that's a, it's a specific example with 
uh, an early uh, stage city in Dublin um, that the second city that I referred to is the city of Helsinki, uh, who was actually the, the world's first city to join City Possible, um, and has now um, observed what we did with Dublin. We're, we're leaning in with them now um, to find slightly different answers to slightly different questions, right? But it's building on progress already made by one. And, and when, this, when this new kind of version of insights is developed with Helsinki, that very progress is then also available to Dublin in return. So this is how they begin to help each other level up and notch up in terms of progress, which might be, frankly, the only way that city governments can accelerate to catch up with consumer expectations and the, the, the value proposition of current technology uh, and keep up with that as it continues its um, you know, exponential trajectory, if you will. Okay, again, I, I can see that in, in a way, your role is facilitating that those partnership, information sharing, and collaboration opportunities. Is that, would that be accurate? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is facilitation, but it's also engagement, right? So we are not, uh, you know, I'm not um, uh, a philanthropic and, you know, I'm not a, a, a simply the facilitator. We are, we are creating a safe place where that facilitation happens and where cities can engage with each other without, without concern for um, outside interests, if you will, right? But we're doing it in a way so that when the city does engage with us, as I mentioned with Dublin or London and some others, that we're prepared, right? That, we, that we're not now trying to catch up with the discussion and, and figure out um, what you've been talking about for the last several months or years, right? Now we are, we're prepared to engage, but it is, it is giving significant deference to the cities who really own the problems and frankly represent, as I mentioned before, represent the people that, that can stand to benefit or not from how the city uses technology to, as I say, make tech work for people. And of course, you have a background having been CIR CTO for three different cities, so you know the lay of the land. We have some questions from Twitter. We have a couple of different questions from Twitter. So why, let's jump to them right now and I'll just take them in order. Number one, at Mr. Nova, and he says, data privacy, should, pub should the public sector be held to a higher standard than search engine firms that are allowed to resell consumer data? So what about the data privacy aspect in all of this? So we, we have uh, published some um, principles on, on the topic. What I, what I will tell you is I, that I think we, we hold privacy in, in high regard as an organization. Um, we think it's, it's, it's paramount. Um, and so the city's role though, I will say, uh, and how they feel about it, we, we are engaging with cities to help them think through how a city approaches uh, privacy and other elements of kind of the, the data world, but um, cities have to, have to make many of those decisions. So we're engaged as a, as a thought partner. As an organization, we have our own principles um, that have been published that we can share afterward. Uh, but uh, um, in, in the city space or how it compares to search engines or, or what have you, 
I think that's, a, that's an ongoing active dialogue that, again, is benefited by an ecosystem, um, by, by folks who have been thinking about this for a long time, um, to make sure that, that we do what we can to protect uh, the privacy and the interests of the people that live in those cities. Absolutely. Okay, so we have a question from Arsalan Khan. It's a good question. He says, are there tools, worksheets, anything else available for cities to become smart even though they aren't part of MasterCard's initiative? So joining City Possible is one part of the framework for sure. And we want to encourage cities to join so that they are actively engaged in the dialogue. But we also have done lots of work with cities, again, previous to, to this uh, structure, this approach, and in an ongoing basis. So, so we do have um, things in different parts of the city, I mean, par different parts of the organization that help cities accomplish their goals. So we have um, labs environments and uh, data environments um, and toolkits that we can make available to cities. We have solutions that have been built around, as I mentioned, um, open loop payments in transit with partners that are available to cities, um, data insights uh, platforms, uh, things like that. So all of those things are available to cities, regardless of whether they've officially joined part of City Possible, you know, become part of the the, the City Possible network piece. Um, but uh, but we certainly want to try to, you know, engage with cities as holistically as possible, leveraging those tools and toolkits and frameworks, um, and also bringing them into this network that helps them engage with one another. Okay, great. And we have another question from Twitter, a really interesting one. Angela Kakali says, do smart cities present a meaningful way to make growth in cities of the global south sustainable, equitable, and inclusive? What are the opportunities and the barriers? And can you speak to city possible experience? in this area? What's being referred to as the global south are the emerging markets. And so, we're, again, we're engaged with, uh, in Brazil, Curitiba and Guarulhos, which are, you know, Brazil is obviously a, a, a large market um, with lots of development, but in those particular, inside of those cities, um, Buenos Aires is another one. Um, inside of those cities, there are, there are certainly pockets of, of emerging community. Right, an opportunity, and I have I have witnessed um, in my I'm I'm coming up on a decade kind of in this industry. Um, I've witnessed a a pivot to being focused on inclusive outcomes for the people that live there, and so we've been engaging with those communities that like Buenos Aires is a is a developed city, but has has a, a community inside of that city that. Um, that needs to catch up with what's, hap what's happened. And that the government and our engagement with them have particular focus on that and we have the ability to bring the, the ecosystem and solutions and attention uh, to those, to those uh, parts of cities and the global south just as a, as a kind of representative term to help those as they, as they do develop that they, they, number one, benefit from the lessons learned ahead of them, right? Take advantage of the, the current state of the art. So don't, don't modernize to yesterday, but modernize to tomorrow. And do that in a way that can also truthfully provide a guiding light to some developed markets, right? Some cities that, that uh, um, can learn from new advancements that take place in that global south 
um, to, to address pockets of, of, um, of lack of inclusion, if you will, inside of their own cities. So there is, there is as much to be shared with the global south as there is to be learned from it. I really truly believe that, that this global environment is, a, is, is absolutely a bi-directional victory. This is not about the New York, Paris, Dubais of the world just teaching things to everybody else. There is as much to be learned in those cities from that global south as there is to be shared with it. And, and we've, we've watched that happen in real time in, in many of the cities I've just mentioned. We're almost out of time, so let me ask you something if you can answer very quickly. Um, why do CI, why do cities need a CIO or a CTO? And I'll, I'll ask you just to answer that, please, really fast, because there's another topic I just have to talk with you about. Yeah, I, so I think it's someone needs to be paying attention to the role technology plays in the city's future. Um, so you could call it whatever you want. The job title is less important than the role and the responsibility. And that's, that is because I think urbanization, um, technological transformation, AKA disruption, is happening whether you are engaged with it or not. And so I think to have somebody who is paying attention to that is a really important ingredient to making sure that as it happens in your community, it happens in the most positive manner and in an inclusive manner and engaging with other cities and with industry partners and, and um, selfishly help, uh, city possible, I think helps also s substantiate that, that, uh, that visibility and that approach to, to the use of technology in cities. Okay, very good. And we, we have uh, just a short time left, and I think it's important to talk about advice. And let's, let's maybe begin, I know there's a, f a few different dimensions here that we can discuss, but let's begin with how can smaller cities get involved? Because I think for larger cities that get the attention, it's just so much easier in some respects. They have the resources. Great question. And this also um, um, kind of pulls on my previous experiences, right? Um, when I was in El Paso, the, the story that I tell is, when I was in El Paso, El Paso, by the way, is a, a, a big city. It's, a, it's a nearly the size population-wise of San Francisco, and the metro areas, including the Mexican side, is, is 4 million people. So it's no small community by any stretch, but, but it doesn't have the visibility that San Francisco or New York had. I, was, I, was the, I mean, I learned and developed along the way, but I had many of the same crazy ideas when I was in El Paso that became interesting when I was in San Francisco, and became impossible to ignore when I was in New York, just because of the scale that I represented changed. And so the industry's um, recognition of those crazy ideas and engagements changed also. And so that was beyond just the power of collaboration, the, the diversity of collaboration was a lesson I learned through that process. That there are people in cities like El Paso, there are also people in cities that are even less well known in the, geo, in the global south, um, as we previously referred, that have great ideas and are even doing great things. Small cities um, and big cities, uh, it, it's an open invitation to join City Possible and let that help elevate your visibility to the industry partners and to each other, right? Um, I think that that is a, a, one of the strengths that, that we offer is to provide that platform. And so, Every city in the world is invited to, to raise their hand, to 
Join us, citypossible.com is one way of engaging with us. As you know, Mike, I'm, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn, email, uh, just about every method. Um, I'm, I'm readily available, as is my team. We are highly engaged and, and want to invite cities to, to, to use our platform to gain access to each other, to gain access to the industry, to increase visibility to the great ideas that exist everywhere in the world. Okay, in the spirit of moving along quickly because we're running out of time, we have a question from Twitter, uh, and it's actually the same question that I was going to ask for advice, so I'll just ask it from Twitter, so uh, I guess great minds think alike. And this is from Smart Cities Library, who's asking how can City Possible, uh, and in general, how can smart cities, how can cities learn to incorporate knowledge and perspective of diverse and underserved community, including communities, including people with disabilities? Yeah, great question, right? I think when we talk about inclusion, we mean it in that broad sense, right? This is about financial inclusion. It's about digital inclusion. It's about accessibility across the table. Uh, I think that um, there are cities out there that have had the resources capacity, whatever the reason, to really lead the way with accessibility, and they're showing how important it is to really truly accomplish inclusive outcomes. Um, so I think that's important is to continue to highlight that. We, we do want to make sure they're, they're, that focus is incorporated into the discussions that, that we're having and the solutions we're co-creating and scaling with cities. I think it's also an opportunity for me to say, that city, I, I get a question off, two questions I'd like to address in this thread. One is small city versus big city, and the other is uh, you know, cities that, what city is the smartest, or what city has made the most progress? So first of all, if you're a small city, find a big one. If you're a big city, find a small one. Because small cities tend to have strengths that big ones don't, and vice versa. Small cities can move quickly, they have agility, they have you know, different kinds of, 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 of strengths. Big cities have often resources and scale and attention from the industry. City Possible intends to bring all that together to take advantage of sharing those strengths across the board. The other is about which cities made the most progress. Well, it depends on what they've been focused on. So different cities have made more progress in the area of transit mobility, while other cities have made more progress in the area of accessibility, as was the question. Or others have made more progress in the area of job creation, financial inclusion. It depends on where they focus their resources. Just like I told you the story about Dublin and Helsinki, this is the same. It is, it is most important not to identify the smartest city. It is more important that we identify progress made in cities and share it between them so that they level each other up on all of those different uh, kind of areas of interest and, and priority. So that is, I think, a, a pretty specific um, intent and objective and uh, kind of opportunity that exists through this collaboration that we are very proud to facilitate and scale globally with City Possible. Miguel Camino, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to have the conversation. Thank you for weaving in the Twitter questions, and I look forward to having this dialogue uh, often and, and, and soon. 
Everybody, you have been watching Miguel Gamino. He's the executive vice president for Global Cities at MasterCard. And you can check them out using at City Possible on Twitter. And Miguel, as he said, is on Twitter. Please subscribe on YouTube. Click that subscribe button. It's, it really does help us. And sub subscribe to our newsletter at the top of the CXO Talk website. It says subscribe, click, and we'll keep you up to date. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great week, and we will see you again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>